You are listening to the Climate Alarm Clock, Ireland's weekly climate news podcast. And this is the third part of the episode for Friday the 13th of May. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. Coming up in our final part, we continue our culture feature with Kaylee Crossan. But for now, we're continuing our look at the week's climate news. I'm joined by Daniel Murray from the Sunday Business Post. Daniel, it's great to have you back on the Climate Alarm Clock. Great to see you, Dara. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, Daniel, we're going to talk about a story that you had published in the Business Post on the 8th of May about the state doubling uh, imported emergency power generators. And we'll be the country will be spending more than 300 million a year on these from winter 2023. Can, so can you just tell us a little bit about this story, what's happening and, and why it's happening? Yeah, well, I, I guess this harks back to about a year ago, we started re- reporting in the Business Post on an emerging power supply gap in the Irish electricity system. Basically, what we noticed was that there was an increase in the number of what are called amber alerts. And amber alerts um, are like a warning sign on the electricity system issued to say that the the gap between the amount of power that's available and the amount of power that is being used is, is closing in and, and is getting quite tight. It doesn't mean that there is definitely going to be blackouts, but it, it's kind of a warning shot across the system. Um, the, the number of Amber Alerts had increased dramatically uh, over last winter. And basically, this was down to a couple of reasons. It was down to a longer term kind of retirement of old fossil fuel plants. Uh, it was due to the increase in the amount of renewables on the system. We've been integrating more wind onto the system. We're starting to integrate solar onto the system now. Um, uh, but more than anything, it had been uh, down to to the growth in demand uh, and demand really has has grown exponentially in the last number of years and that's been driven almost exclusively by data centers uh, there was also a kind of a short-term problem of two p- gas power plants going offline last year so we reported on this uh, in a number of different ways throughout the year last year uh, and by the summer of 2021 it was disclosed that the state was going to have to import emergency power generators uh, by last winter, so winter 2021 just just passed. And that was going to be in and around 200 megawatts uh, worth of gas power generators. And this basically was saying that the power system had driven off the precipice. We were not going to have enough power supply in the country to meet uh, the demand that was, was projected. Now, as it turns out, those emergency power generator plans, they were abandoned last winter, and that was because of a high court challenge uh, to the procurement process. Uh, But we managed to get through last winter just about. We were okay. Some of those gas plants I talked about that had gone offline, they came back online uh, just in time for the winter. And in fairness, Airgrid seemed to manage the power system very well through the winter, and we've had uh, less amber alerts, although we did just have one last week um, as well. Uh, then we reported running up to Christmas that although they were able to, uh, you know, abandon the emergency power uh, supply plans for uh, Christmas just passed, they were going to need power su- new emergency power supply imported from next winter. So this winter coming, winter 2022, and increased again in winter 2023 and through to winter 2024. And again, this was just revealing that the power system was driving off a precipice. We weren't going to have enough a power supply to meet demand. That brings us up to to last weekend's story, which is basically that 
what had been a plan for 300 megawatts of emergency power supply to be imported, that now has to be doubled to 600 megawatts of power supply. And this is basically because auctions that they've been running to try and get new permanent gas power generators onto the system, they haven't really delivered. Um, and so there, and, and there's a retirement of a big oil power plant called Tarbert down in Kerry, and that's planned for the end of 2023 as well. Those issues combined with the continued growth in demand being driven primarily by data centers means we need a whole lot of emergency power supply from this winter and growing every year for the next couple of years. Okay, so that's given us a really uh, good overview and we'll come to the role of data centers in a minute. Before that, I guess on the podcast we talk a lot about emissions reductions or emissions targets. So are, are these plan generators are they in line with our emissions targets or what do they mean for our emissions targets yeah so it, it, it's it, it depends on what way you look at it uh, the emergency power gas generators they are going to have huge emissions they are gas generators they are fossil fuels they're certainly not low carbon and um, and they are replacing what was meant to be permanent gas generators. So in some ways they have no direct effect on our emissions, but they reveal uh, the issue of gas underpinning our system and the fact that, that the amount of gas underpinning our electricity system has to increase. And as the gas uh, under our electricity system increases, then the emissions associated with that gas generation increases as well. The hope was that the electricity system was going to be our kind of golden boy, our, you know, the, the best in class. And that over the next number of years, as we integrated more and more renewables onto the system with a target now of about 80% renewables by 2030, that even as demand grows, that our emissions would fall as well. And that even as we built new gas generators, we would use them less over time because there'd be more wind, there'd be more solar, which would be powering the, the, the system for more of the time. So uh, the, the gas generators themselves, they won't have a direct impact on the kind of 10-year scope for reducing our emissions. But that all depends on whether or not we actually meet our renewables targets. And, and that's a very big question now in the electricity system, both because uh, the progress on renewables and particularly offshore wind um, has been very slow and because this demand growth in the power sector is causing huge problems in terms of actually meeting those renewable targets and powering more power uh, with more renewables. Before we come to the to the demand side of it, uh, you've said in the story that there's a cost of 300 million euro associated with these generators. Do you know how is that likely to affect consumers' electricity bills or how is this going to be paid for? Yeah, well, as we already know, consumers' electricity bills are being dramatically affected by the rise in the commodity price of gas, and that's something that's happening all over Europe. And whether or not this is going to impact consumer bills has yet to be seen, because I, I haven't heard exactly how these emergency power generators are going to be paid for. Is it a direct intervention by the state, whereby they pay the 300 million euro a, a year? Or is it a, a, an intervention by Airgrid, whereby they pay pay it and then recoup it uh, through their uh, kind of costs um, to people who actually pay rent on their lines. That isn't completely clear um, to 
me yet. I suspect it's going to be a bit of both. Um, and if Airgrid has to shoulder that cost and recoup it at all, then eventually it does mean increased um, costs to wholesale uh, power, you know, the wholesale power generators uh, and increased costs to consumers as well. And so now coming to what you said about increased demand and demand being increased largely by data centers, can you give us a, a breakdown or help us to understand exactly how much the increase in the number of data centers in Ireland is is increasing demand for electricity here? Yeah, so in the last five to six years alone, um, the demand from data centres has grown by about, what, 2,400 gigawatt hours. And that's the equivalent of about 560,000 homes. Uh, there was a report out from the CSO in the last couple of weeks that said that data centres now account for in and around 14% of all of our electricity demand. And that's more than all of the rural homes uh, in this country. So data centres now accounting for more electricity demand uh, than people living in rural Ireland, at least from in terms of residential e- electricity. So a huge growth. Um, and at the same time, growth in the rest of the economy in terms of power demand has been relatively flat. It, it, it has grown somewhat, but over 70% of demand growth in the last five years has come from data centres. Then you look to the next five years, it's expected to double again in the next five years. And that's just from planned uh, data centers that have been given grid connections. You may remember that in the last few months, AirGrid had to come out and despite a huge political resistance in the months before, declare a moratorium on any further grid connections for data centres. And that's because outside of the the doubling that's going to happen in the next five years, there were so many data centres requesting connections that that would have doubled yet again. And it would have brought the uh, power demand of data centers by 2030 up to close to half of all of our electricity demand, which is really extraordinary. Now uh, that the moratorium is in place, it's still projected to be in and around 30% um, by, by 2030. So as you can see, a really dramatic demand picture uh, coming specifically from large en- energy users and data centers. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said there about most of the growth coming from there, it's if they weren't there, we'd actually be doing quite well in terms of probably decarbonizing our, our electricity grid. Just when you said there about AirGrid implementing a moratorium um, and, the, and some centers now not being able to get connected to the grid, what happens then? Do they find their own electricity supply or how, how does... Or do they just not go ahead? It depends. The conditions of the moratorium, I think they're for the next five years to begin with, but they could be extended if we're still in a, in a problematic situation five years from now. It's also only in the Dublin area. Um, and although that, that sounds like they can go off and build anywhere else in the country, the vast majority of data centres to date have been built in the Dublin area. That's where they want to build. We could see a proliferation of data centres outside the Dublin area in the next while. That's yet to be seen. Um, and then finally, Finally, yes, they could just go completely off grid. And there has been one or two examples of data centers uh, getting planning permissions um, that are completely off grid. And what that means is basically that you build your data center, you build a, a big power plant beside it or you, or gas generators beside it uh, and one powers the other. Um, and that way you're kind of separated from the system and you don't need any grid connections. The problem with that, of course, is you're being powered by 100% 
fossil fuels. Whereas if you're plugged into the grid, technically across the year, you should be powered by 43% uh, wind, 43% renewables. And we're hoping that's going to increase over time. So uh, it's a far, from a carbon perspective, it's a far less efficient uh, way to, to, to power data centers. So I suppose, and we've had this chat before, Daniel, in terms of data centers um, and so many of them sending up Ireland, is that is that the best thing to do or should we have an alternative strategy for data centers? Do we have do we have too many? Is the data that they're storing really essential? What what's the way forward for this? Is it something that we just accept or is there an alternative? I think in some ways we we just haven't had this debate yet. Um, You know, we're only just getting to the point where we're realizing that the proliferation of data centers has very real world impacts on our energy demand and then by extension on our carbon emissions. And because there's so many so many disconnects there, it wasn't always very clear from the beginning. It also is difficult because of two other things. One, data centers are a very efficient way of processing data. What used to happen before is that offices would have their own internal systems uh, for, for storing data. Technically, they were far less energy efficient. You could store or far less data and use far more energy to, 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 to store the same amount of data. But that doesn't, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean that data center demand hasn't grown exponentially because our demand for data is growing exponentially driven by these companies. The final thing that makes it difficult as well is trying to distinguish between, I guess, what you might call good data and bad data. And there is lots of good data. And this is where you'll hear arguments from the sector saying, well, you can't just shut down data centers like hospitals use them. And data inside in hospitals is, is, is allowing for, you know, a, a more efficient um, a treatment of patients. Um, you're able to, to, you know, there's all kinds of benefits uh, to that. And same across a number of different areas, including transport infrastructure, um, so there's lots of very useful uses of data that are essential to society in, in many ways. But then there's the other side of it, which is data that is harvested for the purpose basically of targeted advertising. And it's about what proportion of data is used for that. And is targeted advertising, is that worth blowing our climate targets for? That's the question. And in terms of knowing what proportion of data used by these centers is for that purpose, that figure isn't out there, but I'd be willing to bet based on the uh, on the business plans uh, of these companies and the money, the way Google makes money, the way Amazon makes makes money, uh, that it makes up a very, very large portion of, of what they're doing. So that, I think, is a very complex debate. I don't think it's one we've started to have yet, but we do have to make that link all the way from, uh, you know, data stored through to the very real world effect uh, on our energy demand and on, and on our carbon emissions. I think the point that you make there about some data being important and and figuring out uh, which data uh, is being used. I don't think, for example, the new TikTok data center that's going to be built in Ireland will be of any use to hospitals. Daniel, then just to finish up and coming back to the to the story of the emergency generators, are there any greener alternatives to to that problem, or or once again, is that just something that we kind of have to? have to deal with have to accept 
Yeah, it, 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 there isn't really at, at the moment. We're, we're talking about, um, you know, having to underpin the power system with solid um, and consistent energy. And that at the moment only comes from, from fossil fuels and the most efficient form of fossil fuel in terms of carbon emissions is gas. The hope is that in the next 10 to 15 years, we could get to a stage where maybe hydrogen could become an alternative. But people have also argued that, you know, producing hydrogen basically through through electricity to then use it in electricity would be a very inefficient use of, of hydrogen and it'd be better applied into difficult to decarbonize sectors like heavy transport or, or other areas. So it, it is hard to see. The answer to this really is increasing renewables on the system and reducing the amount of time that these gas plants run over time. We're hoping that by 2030, we can reach 80% renewables. A lot of people in the renewables industry are really questioning uh, that figure now. Now, whether or not we can reach 80% renewables on the on the power system. But in the short term, that really is the answer. The only other alternative to, to power plants is kind of battery power. And battery power hasn't reached the stage yet where it can completely replace uh, you know, ga- gas generation because it can't run for those very long periods of time. But battery power is getting to a point where it can replace what's called peak gas, peaking gas power plants. And peaking gas power plants They basically are used for when the system is at peak demand. So say every evening when people turn on their televisions and people put on the washing machine and people start cooking dinner, the power system has to be able to handle that peak demand, even though most of the time it's slightly lower. Peaking gas power plants are switched on for that period of time. We're hoping that in the next few years, battery power can start to take over that role more and more and more. And so you'll see we have we have less um, uh, fossil fuels underpinning uh, the entire system uh, over time. But it really is a, a game of renewables now and, and time is running out. Uh, OK, Daniel, thanks so much for that uh, really thorough overview of the uh, emergency generator issue and the data center issue. Thanks. Thanks so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Derek. And coming up on the final part of this week's episode, Anna continues our culture feature with Kaylee Crossan. <laughs> 